So our reading tonight comes from Luke, and I don't know if you want to pull out Bibles, mobile devices to follow along, because we'll be hitting a few of the uh, verses around this. This is uh, essentially the reading that came right after Sunday's reading, uh, when the announcement of, uh, with uh, the birth of John the Baptist, this is the announcement from Gabriel to Mary of Jesus' birth. So in verse 26 to 38 in Luke 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is the continuation of uh, Gabriel's visits. Uh, Gabriel visited Zechariah in the Most Holy of Holies when he was offering sacrifices. And if you remember when Zechariah asked his question, like, how is my wife who's old and barren? How are we going to have a child then he was struck mute uh, from that day forward until John was born. Well, Mary gets visited by the angel Gabriel, and she asked a question, and I guess he just clarifies for her. So, um, but that was our, my joke was that, you know, us uh, older uh, religious folk uh, better know better, maybe. That's why. Because she's, you know, a teenager, and she's wondering what's going on here. And it's... Uh, well, a big ask, right, to uh, uh, be this level of servant that God has found favor in her. Um, so we see that they, Mary, as soon as she finds this news, she goes and visits Elizabeth. And in verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb, le- the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So this Holy Spirit-prompted activity of John in the womb, probably about six months along, and his mother, Elizabeth, exclaiming and proclaiming, Uh, the coming of the Lord already. This Bible verse, when I hear it, every year when I hear it and I recount the story, it reminds me of uh, how it's been used to comfort so many people 
Um, this may be not your most normal Adventy <laughs> part of thing, but I thought this text addresses this. It seems relevant, and I think it's very encouraging why this text is used many times. And what it's used is to comfort people who have lost children in the womb. This idea of losing a child, um, Sarah and I had a miscarriage before our first child. Many of you know people have lost children. So what happens with those babies, right? <laughs> well, we have lots of evidence that God saves in real and tangible ways, especially through his word. And we have baptism, right? And there are, of course, I just did searching and, uh, you know, if you want to come back and listen to the recording and just kind of, I'm just going to list off a few. First Peter 3, 21, Acts 2, 38 and 39, Titus 3, 5 and 6, Matthew 18, 6, Luke 1, 15, 2 Timothy 3, 15, Galatians 3. Okay, there's a whole bunch, right? So uh, Luke and I harp on baptism pretty much every time we're up here. Uh, it is throughout Scripture. It is a sure, sure way that God works his means to create saving faith to circumcise the heart, uh, to mark people for eternity, to give the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and all those wonderful things. The good news is, God is not just confined to that way. He for sure works in these means, and we know that. We proclaim it all the time. But we know that, well, we know that God also works in other ways. He died for everyone. 2 Corinthians, we talked about this a uh, few weeks ago. He died for the sins of the world. And what happens to babies that die in the womb? We are delving into the arena of what we'd call the mind of God, which we do not know. Mark 10, 13 through 16 alludes to this. Romans 11 33, these unsearchable judgments of God. So I did a good search on this. There's a wonderful LCMS article about it, um, and it gleaned some really good things. I thought, well, and they used this text to show how faith can be in the womb. Now, for the people who are children of unbelievers, uh, we, you know, we don't know. God is the one who does this work, and it's unsearchable, and he has not revealed to us what he, what he does. Uh, my hope is that all are saved, just like God. But for the believer, we have some good verses that help point us to uh, this, what we'd call pre-born faith. A lot of moms that come here, we have a lot of pregnant moms, it seems like, at least one or two all the time around here. Um, Babies can hear in the womb. When they come and take the Lord's Supper, they too are ingesting the body and blood of Christ. There's no reason why God can't work through those means as well. We know, we can read in Psalm 22, verse 10, on you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. This is a wonderful thing to take this text of John the Baptist leaping, prompted by the Holy Spirit, acknowledging God. So we have a lot of uh, good evidence that the, the children of believers 
are joined with their moms and they are also saved. So I hope that's a comfort uh, for all of you that have maybe lost a child. We always wonder what that baby's going to be like. <laughs> but we'll find out. All right, that's not a very good ad of anything, sorry. But the text was there, and I had to go for it, and I'm not sure why I'm crying, but... All right, I'm going to switch the joy to the world. How's that? Let's, uh, let's do a hard turn and uh, pull this sermon out of the fire, and uh, let's focus on this joy that we have in Christ, this joy to the world. Do you know that's the most popular, most published Christmas hymn ever in North America is joy to the world. And joy to the world is taken right from Psalm 98, which is cited in the first chapter of Luke. And this, is, uh, this echoes Mary's song of praise in verses 46 to 55, which we're going to touch base on the end here. But this joy to the world, listen to this Psalm 98 and just how it shows the the way we should celebrate during Advent and what we do when we sing our carols. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of, of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love, his chesed, in the faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This wonderful news, or this way that we're supposed to celebrate this Advent season. Now Mary does a wonderful thing when the angel of the Lord comes, when Gabriel comes. She asks a question, how's this going to happen? He explains it. And then her response is one of faith. What I've been learning a lot lately is that faith is way more than seeing. Faith comes only by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word. And this young woman, this teenager, is going to have the Word in her. Jesus is the Word and he becomes incarnate, and he enters this world, enters time in a very humble and lowly state, and her response is beautiful. So for those of us, 2,000 years later, as we're preparing for Christ's return, we too could have a similar response to Mary here. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So what does that mean to be a servant of Christ according to his word? Well, according to his word, according to Jesus, you are all precious. You are all worthy. You're so worthy that God sends his son to die for you. 
you are held in such high esteem that he would die for you. This word tells us about this Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world that we talked about John the Baptist introducing in his baptism and being tempted and living three years on earth. This word teaches us about what it is to be his disciple. He teaches us what it is the kingdom is to come. He is the kingdom come. This word reminds us that there's a hope beyond this world. Even when that word is on the cross and gives his life up for you and me, that is not the end. This word that comes to us in our baptisms, this word that comes to us in preaching, in the Bible, this word that is all around us should be glorified. And all the glory goes to God because that word came back to life. And Jesus is alive right now. He is at the right hand of God. He has ascended there. And like I said Sunday, the best warning you're getting back, the best warning you have for Jesus coming back is Luke and I telling you he's coming back on the last day. And after that, it's too late for repentance. But for those of us, we have peace. Call Jesus the Prince of Peace, don't they? We have peace with the Lord through this word incarnate. So as we rejoice in the giving of Jesus to each and every one of us, his giving to the entire world, that he's going to redeem it all on that last day, well, the proper response for those people of faith is like what Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen. Will you stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the wonderful gift, your word incarnate. It is hard to imagine <laughs> the sacrifice that he has given for us, but we thank you for that Christmas gift. Help us willingly keep accepting that gift that you give us of the salvation of your son and the forgiveness of sins. Help us to, in response, be a servant, a servant to those around us and a servant to what you would will for us to do, Lord. We would have nothing without you, and we thank and praise you for this life you've given us and the eternal life that is to come. It's you same we pray. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord, Lord, Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Amen. <clears throat>